You're listening to Do That Well with your hosts, Brenda Brown and Karen Thrall, a podcast about real experiences and how to turn them into life lessons. Unscripted, honest, funny, genuine, and passionate, a series of conversations where we explore every aspect of human interaction and provoke each other to do life well. Last episode, we talked about text messaging and some of the etiquette behind it. And as a follow-up episode, we thought it would be fun to do another episode along the same lines, but we're going to focus on emails today. And we also mentioned that we were going to look into emoji usage because we found it very <laughs> fascinating as we talked about text etiquette. So there'll be some sprinkles of emoji uh usage as well, sort of some of fun facts about it as well as why you may or may not want to incorporate emojis more into your text and emails. Without further ado. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. So email etiquette is something that I will say I'm like learning about every single day. Um I never really gave a whole lot of thought to email etiquette personally until I actually took a course from you, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> and there were a couple things that really jumped out at me during that workshop that I've held on to to today, you know, still today. Um, so if I if I may, one of the ones that really stuck out with me, and it's the first one we have on our list, is that your email shouldn't be more than seventy five words. This was mind blowing for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They um, um they did a a, a stat where um that's like the perfect email is seventy five words, and everyone can read a seventy five word email. But the more words you add, the less chance you have of retaining the person's attention. So just think of the, if you add another fifty, you're just lowering your chances of being heard of really having that email read, received, and responded to, because now they have to take more time to read it, and then they have more to answer to. So yeah, 75 is like the gold. That's like the sweet spot of 75 words. It's hard. It's not easy to do. It is really challenging. Yeah. After taking your workshop, I started putting all my emails into word counters before I sent them off, yeah. because I was yeah. curious to see how long my emails were. And 75 words is actually challenging. I found on average, my emails were closer to 200 words, big no, no. Uh <laughs> it's true. I, I still do it. I'm because it works. I, I do it because it works. And so I try and there is a, there, you, there is a bit of a buffer, like you can go 75 to 150 and you're still safe. It's just the sweet spot. Like the, 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 the emails that get the most replies are in that 75 word bracket. And, uh, and, but if you can go up to no more than 150, you're still fine. Just as soon as you cross that 150 word counter, you start losing your audience. So I know a lot of people get frustrated because they can't understand why people don't reply to their emails. And it's usually because there's too much, too many words and too much information in them. So if you really need a reply, the, the other thing, and I'll segue, which kind of compliments that, how do you know it's 75 if you don't have a word counter? It's swiping on your phone. So if you can get the entire email read on a phone, like they click your email and the entire email's there, you're saving them time and you've got their attention because that's it. People reply fast. But if you 
can't be that short, then you swipe once. The goal is don't have them. So if you can imagine someone swiping a phone and they just keep swiping and swiping (laughs) and swiping, you're losing them because now they're feeling a little more overwhelmed. They know it's going to take them a lot more thought and replying. But if you, the rule is one swipe, if you can do it in one swipe, then you're, you have them. So, oh, little fun, fun tidbits. Fun fact. Uh, I have a question for you, Karen, because this isn't in our notes for this episode. Okay. Uh, (laughs) But follow up question to this. Do you find, or do you have any experience with, if you're writing an email Let's say I've got my 75 words. Boom. Like, good. I mean, I'm not breaking that rule. I find as well that it's helpful to make sure that you only stick with like one subject. So if you have several things you need to follow up with someone uh, to do that in separate emails rather than ask about different subjects within the same email. Um, I've learned that through experience just because I find that times that I have tried to talk about several different things in one email, only my first, you know, question or point will be answered. But do you have any thoughts on that? I do. So there's a few ways. So that, yeah, that's one way of doing it. If the person does not like receiving emails and your, your name shows up three or four times, that might put a strain on them to answer the emails. So another way, but it's still, it's all on the subject line. The subject line is probably the most important thing because when they go to search for your email, they just have to, let's say it's, uh, okay, for me, when someone wants my calendar link, the on the subject line, I put Karen's calendar link. Just in case they have to go look for it, it's in the subject line. Subject line is really clear what to expect. So that, I think that's where, if, as long as the person knows what's in the email, they're, they're going to click it. But if you just go, hi, like, and I do it, I do it when it doesn't matter. But like, hi, Brenda, love you. And that's the search client. Well, if you have no idea what I'm saying. You have, you have no choice but to answer it. But in a workplace or for efficiency's sake, that subject line is, is the gold. That's the gold mine. Oh, okay. I like yeah. that. So if yeah. you have several topics that you need to address, you could just put that in the subject line. Yeah, you could go one, boom, two, boom, three, but keep it seven words or less. So subject lines should never be more than seven words. Okay, so that's another trick. This is a new one. I like this one. Subject line is seven words or less. Okay. Any other tricks for the subject line? um, Subject line? (laughs) It's just you want to do all the thinking for the person. That's all. You're just keeping it that way. But going back to you, though, like if, if you want to have separate emails, you can. You just have to maybe at that point ask their preference you could say hey look i'm i've got three subjects do you what do you prefer do you prefer them all in one email or separate so you, so you can keep tabs and they'll tell you so if they go well, i want all of them in one email then that's where you do the subject line seven words or less but the other thing i know you know this because you're really good at this and every subject has i do one title two title three titles so let's say they don't have time to read number one two but they, they, they're really interested in number three. They know where to find it. So all those little things that helps the reader get through the email faster. I like it. But I know okay. you do that one. You do that one. I know you do. I, well, I learned that one from you, I will oh. say. <laughs> <laughs> because prior to that, I had always just broken things up with, like I would make every category a new paragraph or every question mm. is a new paragraph. 
but I did, uh, I did receive an email from you at one point where you had labeled yeah. things out with one, two, three or ABC or something along yeah. those lines. And I copied you. So it Uh-oh. does work. <laughs> <laughs> and, and again, it's all about how fast can they read your email? It's really that simple because it's like what we talked in our, just last week's episode, we don't always have time to reply right away. And we don't, Sometimes, you know, we can only glance at things. We just don't know what the other person's going through on the other side. So you're just making their life a little easier. <laughs> I like that. All about trying to make the person who you're emailing's life easier. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So emoji, emoji fun fact coming at oh, you God. hot here. All right. Bandit <laughs> <laughs> alert. Uh, so as I alluded to at the beginning of the episode, we are also going to throw some emoji factoids your way. Uh, I found this article that Adobe put out, which is essentially a 2021 trend report for emojis. And there's some really interesting factoids that I would like to share. So one of them is that 88% of the people uh, re- that were questioned for this this uh, trend report, um, 88% of global emoji users are more likely to feel empathetic towards someone if they use an emoji. So what I really like about this is we talked a lot in our other episode, and I'm sure we'll address it at some point today too, that when you are communicating virtually, you know, via email and text, you start to lose some of those nuances. You start to lose some of that human uh, interaction and you, you, you lose body language and all these things. So what I think is cool is that 88% of these people think that it is a way that you can start to put some of that empathy back in to your messaging. Go emojis. Not everyone, some people are naturally empathetic and, and have the language, like you were just saying, they have words to express themselves, but many, many people don't actually don't know what to say to somebody if it requires them to be uh, compassionate, empathetic, sympathetic. What's really cool is emojis are allowing people to express themselves where they've never been comfortable to do that uh, because they don't have to be worried about the words they use. They just express themselves through this iconic symbol and then they're able to to share what, how they're feeling. So I thought that was really cool too. The other thing I love too, and I know we're going to do more of them, is that there, it's global emoji users. So this is in every nation all around the world, different languages, different cultures, and they took a poll based on culture, nations, nationality, languages, and this is how people rated uh, empathy. 88% said it was easier to show empathy through an emoji than through words. So that's kind of cool. Okay, back to our emails. This is going to okay. be a fun back and forth. You're going to get whiplash from all the back and forth. <laughs> uh, no. So we did already address the how How do you know if it's over 75 words or not. Um, so I liked this one that if, you know, and you did say earlier, if you need to go up to 150, that's okay. But that 250 is really like if if you have more than 250 words, like, stop cut yes cut yes. yourself off <laughs> yes yes especially and, and I know even when you mentioned last week if you're a conversational writer because I can type fast so I can type well what I'm thinking and you're a conversational writer as well it's you're just being yourself and flowing in conversation but it might not be the right time to do that you know you can maybe do that with your friends sometimes or whatever. But yeah, so 250 is the maximum. That's the maximum. And what ways that you can stay within those boundaries is the 75 
remit is a quick email, but if you have a bit more meat, that's where that the list comes in. So I'm going to be talking about these three things. And this is the information for point number one. This is information for point number two. This is point number three. If you need the details, let me know. I'm happy to explain whatever doesn't make sense, Karen. Like it's, it's try to make it more just point form. And so the person can read the 250 words easily. And, um, and it doesn't have to be full sentences. It can just be point form. And then that, that's an easier way to read 250 words. And what I like that you just mentioned is that it's okay to put it in point form and then say, if you want additional information, like, please ask me, I'm happy to provide more information, but I, I like that you're giving me permission to not have to get it all in the email. Uh, I personally am the kind of person I enjoy having information for me, like more information is just, it's just more information. Like, yes, give it to me. I want it, but not everyone's like that. And sometimes when I go to write an email, I forget, I get into my brain and I get into like, well, they're going to want all of these details. Yes. And so I struggle to not want to give them everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like that you're saying like, whittle it down to what's going to be pertinent to them and then tell them like, there is more information if you want it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. And on that, cause I know you and I've talked about this too. You could even say, um, let's say you, you have a lot you need to say, and you're not satisfied with 250 words. And you're like, no way I can't do this in 250 words. Then you attach it as a document. So you can say, um, attached is everything I'm thinking on this topic in point form, here are the three main points I'm I'm conveying. If you want to read it, please find the attachment, and that will help explain everything. That'll help explain these points clearer. So if you still feel the need, no, I, I can't. I just they need to have this record. I need this on file, or I need to express myself, or I have a lot to say here. You can do it, but put it in a document form, and then they they'll know that this is something important to you, but you're mindful of their time. But yeah, right. so you can still talk as much as you want. You can say here my journal, see my journal entry with all the information there or whatever, you know. So then they can decide, you know, if you could say page. To. Yeah, you could say page one in, in the attachment, I'm talking about this and page two, I'm talking about this and page two, I'm talking about that. Have a read. It's all there. If you have any questions, let me know. So you can do that. It's just not in the email because it'll get lost and we don't want you to get lost. We don't want your, your thoughts are valuable and what you think and what you write is really important, valuable, but there's a way to do it. So you feel heard and you don't feel overlooked or especially when they don't reply. Like it's really, a lot of people really get hurt when their emails aren't acknowledged. Mm -hmm. And these are some of the reasons why sometimes they don't get acknowledged is, is the length. It's just, it's that simple. It's not what you're saying. It's just how, how much you're saying. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Follow-up question. Related. Okay. Um, What if you have a document and someone's asked, you know, a question, say, I don't know, I'm trying to come up with an example. Uh, In my line of work, I oftentimes need to send people images. So someone might ask me a question such as, you know, what are the image specifications for this project? And I might already have a document ready to go. So I might be tempted to just send them the document and say, like, see the attachment. Do you think that that is the way that that should be done? Or 
do you think it would be better to say, you know, 1080 by 720 or whatever the answer is, like say those are the specs they needed, see attachment for further details. So I guess my question to put it more succinctly is if you have an attachment and the attachment has all the answers, do you still think that it's wise to pull up what might be the most, you know, pertinent points into the body of the email and let them know that the attachment is there? So, okay, that's a great question. And here, I think there's a few perspectives. If you know the answer and you know the answer and you don't have to go looking for it, go ahead and put it in there and say, I'm also going to attach the document in case there's other questions. It's pretty extensive, the document, and I, I'm confident it's going to answer any other questions you have, but I'm here for you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you know the answer, then great, answer it. Um, and then say, by the way, here is where I'm getting all my information from. So look, take a look at it and see if there's any, if, you know, if there's any other questions you have, it's probably in this document, but let me know kind of thing. So this way you're still not taking on someone else's responsibility because your time is precious too. If you don't know the answer, you could reply going, good question. Uh, my quick answer is I attached the document. Everything's in this document that you need to know. Um, let me know if you can't find it, then I'll, I'll go look for it. You can maybe say it that way as well. Mm-hmm. Say, I, I don't know the answer off the top, but this is where it's at. So, so search this document and you'll for sure find it. There's some really good stuff in here. But at the same time, you're trying, you don't want to take on their responsibility. Like you don't want to take on more workload because then it's taking you away from, right. from your stuff. So that's, yeah. No, I like that. And again, I ask this because I'm a person that likes information. Yeah. So if I was the person asking, I would want the document and I yeah. would be like, I don't care what you're saying. You gave me the document. I'm just going to yeah. read the document yeah. now. Yeah. However, I'm I'm being aware of the fact that not everyone is going to want to receive the information that way. Yeah. Um, so I like what you're saying. I like that, you know, you could just say, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Here's the document. I'm happy to help you decipher the information if you want my help or something Mm. along those lines. So Mm -hmm. love it. Because I think, and I think too, like email is, email is a crucial part of our communications now. It is not a trend or a fad. It's not going anywhere. It's sticking around. So these, these little etiquette rules for you to stay connected and not feel dismissed not feel overlooked, not feel ignored, not feel ghosted, all these things. Like these are just little tricks that will kind of make sure that doesn't happen to you. I like it. Yeah. It's good stuff. Okay. Back to our emojis though. Okay. Do it. Do it. (laughs) This is a rather funny one. So I have to throw it in here. Um, The top three most misunderstood emojis globally are... Number one, the eggplant. Uh, number two, the peach. And number three, the clown face. Okay, we kind of know why the eggplant and the peach are misunderstood. But yes, the clown. Those are connotations. A loop. Like I am misunderstanding the clown emoji huh. as I look at this article currently. Uh- <laughs> I mean, well, there's so many different contexts in which you might want to send a clown emoji, but okay, I feel like they're mostly negative. I could be wrong. I'm going to look it up. So the clown face emoji depicts the face of a circus clown. It is commonly used to convey various silly, goofy feelings or that someone is acting like a clown. Some people find clowns creepy. 
It's also supposed, it's also used sometimes to mean that something or someone is scary or suspicious. So I guess because it's, oh, okay. it's creepy, scary, or suspicious. So people are like, I don't know why they just sent this to what me. It, what <laughs> like, yeah. And my mind went to like saying you're calling someone a clown. Be like, yeah. oh, you're being a fool. You, you clown or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, another one is 75% of global emoji users say it's okay to only send an emoji as a quick response instead of words. I agree. I had to throw this one in here because okay. in our conversation about texting, I revealed that I oftentimes will only respond in emojis. So this one makes me feel validated. <laughs> I know. It's true. I think sometimes they're so much better than responding because you don't, it doesn't need a response. So I'm with you. Emojis are great that way. <laughs> Very fun. Sometimes. Okay. So back to our emailing, I know we we're nearing the end. So there was one other point uh, that I wanted and we, we did touch on a lot of these things in other ways, but one other thing that I wanted to throw out for email is I like Karen that you say that you should ask permission to send journal writing. So this reminds me again of our text converse, our text conversation. Yeah. And I said that if I know I'm about to send someone a long text, I'll say my apologies for the long text that is to follow or something like that. Um, and I like, you know, this idea that essentially you want to take that same mode of thought to your emails. So if you, if you know that you just want to send somebody like a brain dump, ask them, hey, is it okay if I just send you a whole bunch of my thoughts and ideas in an email right now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. And yes. And um, give them permission not to reply. Not everyone's a wordsmith and not everyone has the soft skills to communicate and respond. Well, like we just said, empathetically to, to yourself. So you can say, I'm you don't have to reply. I just want to share these with you and trust and trust that they're going to read it. And when they're ready, cause it might take them a week to read it because it's, it's maybe it's really vulnerable or it's a sensitive matter. See, it's tricky. I don't know if an email response to like journal writing is easy for people. Right. So let's say you're at work and you're really upset with an employee and you send your boss, your heartfelt frustration. What I would suggest after is after you've read it, let's book a time to talk about it. I think that would be a good response instead of asking for an email response. I, I don't know if everyone has the skill to do that. Right. But if you said, Hey, the, here's everything I'm feeling right now about the problems I'm having with my employee. After you've read it, please book a time with me. And, and now we can talk about it together of what I'm supposed to do with this, you know, kind of thing. And then you be the proactive one. But if you whine them to reply, I just think you'll feel disappointed. What do you think, Brenda? That's that's my take on it. But what do you think? No, I agree. I think that, as you said, because this is very similar to what we talked about with texting, you know, that you would want to at first, as you're saying, like alert them or ask permission to give them all this information, but then, you know, say something, name, I, I don't need a response or can we follow up in person or something like that? Because mm -hmm. I think there is some pressure that people start to feel if they get a really long email like that. And 
now it becomes this stressful thing that they're, you know, dealing with or they have in the back of their mind, oh, I need to email that person back. Um, so I, I tend to agree with you. I think that if you are going to send an email like that, you have to be okay knowing that you might not get a response. Because mm-hmm. I know for me in coaching, I do get emails saying before we meet, I just want to give you some, some people are wordsmiths and so they give me a document that really uh, prepares me for what's what the conversation is going to be. And I read it, but I'll just, I'll just put thanks, look forward to reading it. That's all I say. Mm-hmm. And then when it's time, I'll pull it up and we talk about it in the coaching session. So I think it's still like, I would say to people who receive the long emails to at least say, thanks for this. Uh, look forward to reading it and leave it at that. Cause that's just a respectful acknowledgement. You may not ever comment, you know, and maybe just that, I appreciate you trusting me with your thoughts. Thanks for saying my way. Look forward to reading it. I appreciate you trusting me with your thoughts. Right. I think that that's all you need to do and don't feel this pressure to, you know. Totally. And I think as well, I just thought of this, so I'm curious what you think about this. But if you're the person that's sending that email and perhaps there is something you really want to hear back on, Maybe it would work to put all the information in and then say, you know, at the bottom or at the top of the email, these are the three things I really want your input on so that they're still getting that bulleted, you know, these are the important things. Here's all the information. Here's all all the stuff that's swimming in my head. But what I really want to hear your feedback on are these three things. Yeah. Um, And you can highlight, you can say um, in your email, the the parts that are most important to me are highlighted in yellow. And Love so, and, and then you can, all that fillers there, but they can go straight to those yellow and go, oh, okay, I think I understand what's happening here, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. New things. I know. <laughs> You're on that well. Well, we are at the end of our time today. Um, I do want to just give you all one or two quick emoji factoids to end us on because I think they're fun. Uh, (laughs) So 73% of the people say that it helps them, uh, emoji usage helps them quickly share ideas, which I thought was interesting. Yes, I like that. 71% of global emoji, emoji, emoji users feel that using emojis at work positively impact likability and credibility. 62% was credibility, excuse me, 71% likability. Um, but I think that's really interesting because you can see how even, uh, or as we progress as a society and as emojis become more of a part of our vocabulary, that using them in the workplace actually can positively impact the way that you build camaraderie more or less Mm -hmm. with your coworkers. I thought that was really cool. And then one more, one more, uh, For flirting, because this one's a fun, a oh, fun yes. one, so I had to, I have to end on this one. The top three make it or break it emojis when it comes to flirting or dating. So the number one is the winky kiss. Nice. Number two is the blushing one with the three hearts around it, a little loved one. Yes. And number three is the heart eyes. The and that's so funny. Funny. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, because it's also, I love that it says it makes you more likable too. Yeah. Like it's flirting, dating, and likable. And likability, right. And that's something. 
So then these emojis apparently are not very... Uh, for flirting. They, for flirting. For flirting. <laughs> no. <laughs> we, we've already picked on these emojis a little bit today, but we'll end on this one. It also says the top three that make you less likable in flirting and dating are the eggplant. What? The peach. What? <laughs> and then the like crazy face. The one where he's got one eye that's bigger. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, his tongue sticking out. Yeah. Uh, so I, if you're flirting, I guess, yeah, that's not a good idea. But it cracks me up, the eggplant and the peach. It's like, okay, everybody. <laughs> we all know. If you're trying to, you know, you're just in somebody, just stay away from those. I think you'll go farther. You know? Yeah, just stick with the kissing uh, wiki face and the, heart. Uh, the ones with the have hearts in them. Those ones seem to be the winners. <laughs> Oh, man. And on that note, the big takeaway today is have fun with emojis. And, you know, email etiquette is very similar to text etiquette. I think, like, mm-hmm. for me, the biggest thing here is keep it short, keep it concise. And I really liked what you said earlier, Karen. Think about who you're sending it to. Think about how mm-hmm. you can make their life easier. And mm-hmm. it will likely work out for everyone. Boom. that's it (laughs) thank you for joining us here on do that well today and we'll be back next week with a new episode bye-bye bye